What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Houseman Academy. I'm your host, Craig Sherrod, and with me today is James Jowsey, who's a coach of elite athletes and an expert in injury prevention. He's the head coach of Red Pill Trinity Program. He's got 17 years of experience in the fitness industry. He's worked with a grain range of pro athletes, some CrossFit athletes, some English Premier League, some championship football players, and some premier rugby players as well. So today is all about how James helps his athletes get some elite athleticism and also prevent injuries. James, great to see you, man. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, sorry, just to add a joint head coach of Red Pill. Um, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Just get that correction in there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to kick this off with, uh, obviously working with athletes, you need a base level of like just sport understanding. What, how was athletics for you growing up? Was that something that was kind of forced on you? Did you just kind of find you, you fell into to sport naturally or how did that kind of pan out? Yeah. Um, I mean, mom and dad aren't particularly athletic um my dad was in the military briefly not that Mm -hmm. that doesn't require athleticism but he was actually more a driver in the military rather than uh, yeah fitness and infantry type scenario cool um so yeah no but growing up football was always well soccer yeah was always my passion but yeah i did from a young age soccer swimming karate basketball uh i did long jump triple jump um a little bit of everything played rugby yeah but football became my my sole focus from probably about the age of 14 maybe nice um or something i was i had to cut out the other sports because i was got called up for the england schoolboys national team and then signed signed for manchester united as a youth player made it through to the reserves and then end of end of athletic kind of dreams i should say rather than career uh end of my yeah that was definitely my 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 love my sport and and thing that i've tried to replace and never never have but the love of coaching is is the new the yeah. new focus so yeah. amazing and and how did that start for you how did you were you just kind of people told you you should be a coach one day or was that something you always kind of had on your radar or how did co- coaching kind of come into your life um so i went from as a as an athlete as a professional footballer i was i loved the the whole picture of it i wanted to get good scores in the jump testing fitness testing yeah. i wanted to have low body fat so i did the nutrition so i went in the gym did that stuff it was just that athlete life was something that i loved all of it as well as the sport itself so kind of when i decided to seek another avenue i went into personal training yeah. um and like i say quite quickly my philosophy was as a became apparent as a coach i, I liked all all my clients to do everything correctly um I was really a stickler for form yeah. um and that's where the the interest and passion came for that was when you you're given all the cues that you've taught learned yeah tried to develop yourself across your multiple amount of clients and and nothing's written doesn't matter what you say there's no magic yeah true. there was no magic button no magic cue for them and then that's where the whole looking deeper into anatomy physiology principles of training then start to go well if yeah they've not got enough hip extension because the hip flexor complex anterior hip is too tight then 
we need to do a bit of a release on that and then feed it back into the exercise where you're trying to get hip, hip extension and right. yeah all that all that process kind of just led into led into that so I then pretty much became I got into CrossFit myself personally yeah um in the middle of kind of giving up football did CrossFit and went back to football but in that time of, of doing CrossFit I quickly began working with athletes with injury mm injuries or struggling to get into positions from the stuff that I've been doing. So that was quickly became my kind of focus then from, from that level yeah. and building, building through, um, it then became of people coming back to me with the same injuries. And then it came down mm. to looking, going full circle, looking at the analysis of the program and saying, well, you've got this, this, and this issue and your program is compounding those issues. So you're right. only going to end up, we're just going to go like, like this until you right. change your program. Yeah. So then I started coaching people and yeah, cool. Here we are. However many years later. That's, that's amazing. So soccer or football slash in, 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 in a CrossFit. Um, and so you've been started coaching some high level games, athletes, Sam Briggs and a few others. Yeah. So, uh, talk me through when you first start working with those athletes, uh, what do those first conversations look like? Is it focused around the their current programming and maybe looking for imbalances and how to tweak things and kind of work with where they're at? Or, or how do you start to to work with them to get them to the next step? Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, I always sit down with the athlete and the, the thing you hear, uh, I know a lot of companies or other people are very fond of testing. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the habits that we actually kind of develop as a, as a company is like, the athlete knows himself already. Yeah. Yeah. They should do If They don't, there's a problem. So for sure. we, we sit down for a very simple conversation and go, right, what's your dream workout? Mm. Okay. Now what's your worst nightmare? And literally in those, like they know, like, and then you li- we literally just go through that process and go, okay, what movements do you hate? What movements do you love? Like, and yeah. they, they give you a profile already. And yeah, then it's gone. So, so then we then go to that process. I don't need to waste eight weeks of testing. Yeah. And the problem with those sure testing phase, the problem with the testing phases is you don't know where that athlete is or has been for the last three to six months. Yeah. Like you sure. might be testing and they've just spent a hell of a lot of time doing a strength training block and put all the time to that and they've got a low gas tank and then they go, it's like, oh, well, you're not fit right now. That's your actually weakness. And as well, it's my weakness because I've not been doing anything like that. Yeah. So it's like you're only seeing them at a snapshot in time, whereas their historic knowledge of themselves as an athlete, knowing when they get to that competition, every time a competition comes around, they always fall down in X, Y, Z events. Right. It's yeah. all the information we need. So then yeah. from there, on the weaknesses, it's then looking at the weakness and going, is it an energy system thing? Mm. Obviously, is it a certain time domain? Um, or is it a movement thing? So. Yeah. It's when certain patterns are constantly repeated, like barbell overhead work, or mm-hmm. yeah, shoulder to overhead work, or repair of hinging. The back, the back blows up and everything shuts down. Yeah, what is it? Okay, let's go into those analysis of those movements, and then we almost build build a a program from there where you are. Like we kind of separate the body down into. Oh, sorry, separate training down into skill versus threshold. Right. We're either working on skill development or we're working on a threshold. And mm-hmm. obviously, this that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but obviously every skill has a threshold. Yeah. Um, and every uh, as in how many reps could you repeat of that skill? But then yeah. there's also then the threshold 
in a sense of, well, actually, when my heart rate's at that, now also the skill right. that it is. When so it's that double, that double-edged sword of the energy system itself could break the form down or the, the, pattern, the motor pattern might just break down over time. Right. So we kind of there separate the training out into, okay, well, let's work on this as a skill mm-hmm. in itself and build up the efficiency of that skill before we start to put it into the stressful environments right. where you've got the interference of you're taking the uh, intensity down a little bit doing more like an yeah. imam style thing where they've got a bit of rest in between so they're kind of uh, not necessarily, maybe sometimes it can literally just be classical kind of uh maybe a super set of i don't let's say they're missing um hip internal rotation on my left leg it could be uh, internal rotation mobilization on the left leg. Gotcha. Then, then load up the left leg to to train it with the new range, right. and then put it into the squat. If it was, if you were seeing the lack of internal rotation on the squat, so so blending, gotcha. Blending in a mini circuit that, and not necessarily like say EMOM because I don't want the th- again. I don't want that elevated threshold there. I literally mm. just want it to be almost that golf swing. Like yeah, let's isolation. do a rep. Yeah. Let's do a rep and let's tweak get the tweak. execution and then over time build it into maybe an EMOM or yeah. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So that's that's kind of the, the big process. And for some people that's obviously quite a huge, huge process because they might have five, six, seven movement deficiencies, deficiencies yeah. that they're working on. And or yeah. for some it's it's very um like Sam, for example. Obviously uh, Sam's classical stuff is shoulder to overhead, but mm-hmm. like the the reason the issues we we have with the program is that uh, the ex shoulder surgery and then the elbow surgery is one of those like when you're trying to improve the shoulder to overhead and what what the fight the whole time with the program is okay I need to work the weaknesses but actually mm-hmm. now that becomes jerk handstand push-ups, handstand walk, and I might want to separate those out across the week. Yeah. However, that that accumulation acutely and chronically over time just leads to a breakdown in form. Yeah. And actually, you end, you end up just doing this for the program. And yeah. there's that element with coaching and programming where it is a – I'm always speaking to the athletes, mm-hmm. like weekly, monthly, and, and going, right, okay, how is this – obviously reading their daily training and everything like that, but how are we actually, are we moving forwards? Are we moving backwards? How is it responding? Do we yeah. like, and then tweaking the program up and down to, to work with those, try and Runners. find the, yeah, yeah find, yeah, find the way through the, through the jungle. Gotcha. That's awesome. I think that's, uh, that's a subtle difference. I think taking the testing approach versus just kind of a, almost like a survey type thing. It's just because it seems like a bit of overkill to put someone through the CrossFit game just to figure out where their weaknesses are as a CrossFit athlete. So I think that's, yeah. uh, that's smart. And, and talking about Sam, who's just kind of notoriously one of the tougher athletes who's trained through, through some like grueling injuries and stuff like that. Uh, obviously that, that mental toughness is something that need, need in competition, but they need to be sensitive to in training. Is that something you do you, are you talking them through that thing so they can kind of like differentiate the two and turn that, you know, shut the fuck up part of their brain off when they're in training to, to be sensitive to their injuries or how do you, how do you help them through those kind of things? Yeah. I mean, that was a, that's, I say a big, a big thing that we had to work through with Sam and that, yeah, that was conversation and 
realization and and yeah like the the training is just building up that picture and just saying look we can't the body can't tolerate it yeah now like we we do just and yeah they, they do realize the yeah is it is an education process from um, yeah the whole picture basically yeah. so yeah no that's not a very good answer but <laughs> Sorry. it's a tough thing to deal with though it's it's uh because i think like the, the lay person that does crossfit knows when they're hurt but someone that's like trained to like turn that part of their brain off when they're competing it's just tough to differentiate um but uh, yeah i mean I, I think i think it's showing them yeah sorry i've actually got a clear answer now so i think i think the key becomes is like when they send the videos and you show them like you see how this is getting overloaded here now mm-hmm. like this the fact that this um so like with her elbow her elbow was um there was loose fragments that had been there historically which had already kind of restricted the elbow extension but right. unfortunately we never got she's actually got sam's actually got an element of hypermobility so she's got hyperextension mm. in the other side yeah so when the barbell goes overhead all the body wants to know well all, all the, the body's whole response to the barbell being overhead is well i need that barbell over center of mass mm. And I want that barbell to be, it subconsciously finds even, hopefully. Yeah. So it knows that this one's got an extra couple of three degrees, degrees yeah. Yeah. couple of degrees of extension, and this one hasn't. So then mm-hmm. in theory, the bar would be like this. But now right. with that put pressure on this shoulder, because the bar that. would be going that way. But compensate. instead, the compensation becomes then the, then the scap. So then you get the yeah. scapular elevation. And it's... Right you then get someone who go, oh, well, you need to work on his scapula. It's like, yes, you do, but that's not changed. Like, you do need to work on his scapula because that's where the problem, but actually the problem is the elbow because mm-hmm. the bar's not going to be level and it has to do that compensation. So, like I said, that's then the, the play with the program is how much can that compensation take right. before something Breaks starts down. to get, anno- get yeah. annoyed and break down. Yeah. And that's where that controlling, then showing them that and saying, right, well, we need to control how many times overhead we go per week. And the parameters of that is is the key, basically, to yeah. keeping them going a bit longer. That's awesome. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, the programming. I think like from what I've read, most of what you do is one-on-one. Um, yeah. I think like having some semi-group environment or training partners and stuff is, is also like a bit of a motivation bump for most of these people are, are so most of your athletes, are they working exclusively one-on-one Are they doing some, some classes or small group stuff on the side or um, what is the a, a snapshot of their, their programming kind of scope? Um, so, well, yeah, I work one-to-one with my coaching athletes, but we do have a like red pill generic. We've got a generic program now. Mm-hmm. So we are building a, community of, of people in that in that um oversaturated area of uh <laughs> of crossfit programs yeah <laughs> um, so yeah that there's we've kind of got a two two scenario I've got two scenarios going on with my athletes individually and uh, generally what what i do it really is that their weaknesses are their weaknesses mm-hmm. and we need to they need to be working on those things to get better. And right. it's one of those where we spend that first probably six months of the year, they are pretty lonely. 
Yeah. Uh, because they're away doing the bits that they need to do. And then the closer yeah. it gets, then we can start to bring, uh, we bring them together or bring them together a little bit more in a sense. Because now we're, get, we're, we're getting, yeah, we're getting to that yeah. sport specific tail of the season. So Sam and Emma, Sam would always fly back from the States, stay right. with Emma. And then it can, the organization of the day then is very much like, okay, let's say it's Olympic weightlifting. Like Sam's got her bit she needs to work on. Emma's got her bit she needs to work on. So they're both mm-hmm. doing Olympic weightlifting. They're both hitting snatches today. Yeah. The program would be different for right. each athlete. Yeah. Then in the afternoon, we'd put a wad on and then they just throw down together. Nice. So it's still that's, there's that dynamics. element of group dynamics. But yeah. then it's still, well, you're doing what you need right now, knowing yeah. that they both peak slightly differently and right. need different energy priorities leading sure. into the back end of the season so yeah I, yeah I do work predominantly most of my time is spent with them obviously it's, it got yeah we go pretty deep with it so mm-hmm. it's um yeah i'm there to facilitate them being the best version of themselves gotcha. um and i think that's seems like a smart that, way to do it get yeah mix of both it, and still customize enough to hit the weaknesses but they're still getting that you know throw down kind of environment where they're getting that push and hitting that those aerobic thresholds or anaerobic thresholds, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I spoke to, um, uh, worked with one of the assessed, no, one of the guys who used to be on the great British Olympic, mm. um, great British Olympic, uh, squad leading into the 2012 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a, an analogy of, of, um, the Olympic training program. And he said pretty much like his analogy was you got two, a box of a dozen eggs and they basically just shake the eggs and they increase the amount that they shake the eggs and it's almost like the strongest eggs survive (laughs) and and guess what they'll be pretty good and britain's always been classically turned out very successful rowing teams yeah true. and i get that that i get that that obviously leads they obviously leads to success yeah but there's a part of me the 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 issue I have with it is you've just you've just cost somebody else their dream. Yeah, yeah. Like what what if they just needed a little bit less volume? Mm-hmm. What if they just needed a little bit more of this? Yeah. Could they have done a better job? For sure. Like and, and knowing that those athletes, some athletes need more, some athletes need less, and it's yeah. like having having that. It's an experiment I'm enjoying with the generic program that we've got. Like I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying seeing people make gains, but it's still under the I leave it under no illusions that if you want to go to another level, you really do need to be more in tune with the individual you needs. Need, yeah, you need yeah. the individual needs like that. Yeah. That generic. Yeah, if you're good enough and you're a monster, you'll probably get through it anyway. But uh, yeah. And you'll be pretty good for that, that exact analogy that he, he came up with. But like say, when, when you cost in other people, yeah, their, their dreams, when it could just be something, well, they just need a different approach and actually they'll yeah take off. Like that, yeah. that's the get, that's the thing for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think like most of us tend to get into coaching with the, the idea that you're, you're helping people. And if you're like helping a percentage and, and the opposite with other people, I think like just you got that internal kind of battle you're dealing with, right? Where you, you genuinely want to see people, especially if you interact with them one-on-one and you're seeing them regularly, you know, you're not yeah. sending them to war and seeing your survives is, is a bit, a little bit extreme. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You're not looking after the person and yeah. Yeah. Um, just from that therapy side it is that 
I always use the, uh, the quote from Anchorman, 70% of the time it works, works every, every time. time. <laughs> like, it's like, just, just because the evidence says X, Y, Z. It works, yeah. It's not it, going to work it, in every case. Yeah, It's not working in every case. So if, if that person, if you're not helping them, you need to change your tactic. Yeah, you just like, can't. It's tough treating people like a statistic because it's, it's otherwise yeah. you're you're losing people. Um, and and kind of on that note, I want to segue into uh, a bit of nutrition. And I think like the the sort of central dogma around nutrition and games athletes, especially the younger ones, is just macros and just getting calories wherever they can. But I feel like yeah. at some point you're sort of laying a poor foundation, especially looking for longevity. And t- so yeah. when you start to have those conversations uh, around nutrition or even just like casually, how much of an emphasis is on quality versus versus just hitting those precise macros all the time? Where where do you sort of guide people in that? I mean, I, I, like, I try and stay away from the nutrition a little bit. I'll always outsource, okay. but I still Fair do enough. have I still do have my principles of it, which yeah. would be um a quality always. Yeah. Um, I just from that, just from that piece of the, the the analogy I always give people is like, you could eat a thousand calories at McDonald's, and two hours later be absolutely starving. Yeah. <laughs> Try and eat a thousand calories of brown rice, broccoli, and chicken. Yeah. You'll be a lot more miserable. Um, but you'll be a lot more full and you'll be sustained for more so that's always my first point is yeah a calorie isn't a calorie Mm. we've been we've been told that what we what we've got to remember is that calories calories assigned to food have been assigned by a process Mm -hmm. that is occurs outside of the human body burnt Mm -hmm. in a chamber yeah like not we don't know the rate of digestion Mm how that occurs, how that burns, how that's assimilated in the body. Yeah. Like we, we don't know that. So a calorie, like a calorie is just an assigned number. We, we actually don't know what it means really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can't just go off calories, like all, mm-hmm. which is where quality, always come back to the quality of, yeah. you need, you need that. And then myself having a, I've got an inflammatory bowel condition. So then you've got, well, how well does the person digest it? Yeah. Like if, I don't digest food very well, so how much am I actually taking from that food? Yeah, so again, exactly. is a calorie is a calorie a calorie? Yeah. Um, so they're they're kind of yeah they're my fundamental thoughts and beliefs on it. Mm. But as I, I give myself that much of a headache over people's movement and um, and their actual program writing that yeah. I'd like to uh, yeah assign yeah. that that headache somewhere else. <laughs> Fair enough, Billia. <laughs> It's wild to me. Like I think I'm totally on the same page with you, and I think it's it's just a little bit wild that the almost the norm is just like just getting calories however you can get them still. And I guess when you get into like four thousand plus calories, it is tough to make them all quality. And I get that. It's just it's I yeah. still think long term it's going to catch up with you. I think. Um, yeah. I, I want to segue a little bit into. Um, we've touched a little bit on injury and overuse and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and mobility is a huge piece. There is such a thing and you mentioned this on the website there's such a thing as too much mobility um when you're trying to sort of get ahead of the curve and get into prehab stuff and prevent injuries what are the what are the key things you like to think about or kind of coach an athlete through is it is a training volume is it sticking with t- you know 99 plus percent technique is it is it 
regular recovery pieces is sleep. Like what's at the top of the list for you when you talk about preventing injuries? All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah, is you see so many, like one of the common, the common things that you see with CrossFit injuries is running injuries. Mm, yeah. Um, and this is just a general, like I'm talking about the, the general class member. Yeah. And it's often the person that's actually, actually had a good training background in running. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they, they get into CrossFit and the addition of strength training provides a stimulus that makes them better at running. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this CrossFit's really transferring into my running. But yeah. then they're like, then their journey becomes, okay, so I'm going to do less running and I'll do more CrossFit. Yeah. So then the CrossFit volume goes up, run volume comes down. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, I've missed running. I'm going to go out and run 10K. And CrossFit's given them the ability to cope with a high heart rate. Mm-hmm. It's given them the strength in the legs. So actually they've got good speed. But actually what's missing is the tissue tolerance to the impacts. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they're like, oh, I went out running and I've had Achilles pain ever since and I never used to get injured whilst yeah. and it's they're not actually injured. They're just the Achilles wasn't didn't have the tolerance of the of the impacts because mm-hmm. they've they've done that with the run volume, then they've gone out, they've still got their because they've maintained the fitness level, they've still got the ability to run hard cope with that threshold but yeah. actually the body doesn't have the the tolerance to the to the work anymore right so yes that that kind of the ability to build the volume in the program mm-hmm. the recovery from it um but also training them to be in bad positions right um yeah. like let them know that like you can lift with a bad back sometimes yeah. Not repetitively. I won't, yeah. I won't ask you to do it at max, but submaximally having that neurological understanding of position for sure um, yeah. is also needed. Yeah. Um, and getting that body awareness in bad positions, you're more likely to feel the right position when you felt the wrong one. So that's, I think that's super yeah. valuable. Um, absolutely. Um, so you talk about tissue tolerance. I think that's definitely got to be a consideration when you're talking about the amount of volume most CrossFit athletes are putting in. How much of a consideration is the the repetitive kind of tolerance when you're thinking about like periodizing your changes throughout the season, like going from like obviously a strict strength program where there's less cardio and then going into higher volume and, and running would be like an extreme example. But do you have like kind of a transition period in, in, in programming where you're you're sort of slowly ramping up volume in certain capacities or what does that look like, James? So I, I work completely differently or we work completely differently to uh reptile our philosophy is very different to most mm. others um in that we're always spinning the plates okay so we've got each plate needs to keep spinning yeah and we can't just go high strength low low cardio right because each athlete like apart from maybe sam who can leave out cardio for long periods of time and only then needs three four weeks to get fit most people aren't actually that fit <laughs> That's why their, car- their cardiovascular <laughs> capacity isn't actually yeah, that sure. that good, so you can't yeah. leave it alone that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unfortunately like what what we see is uh, what we say within with to our athletes is you will hit your maxes when you need to hit your maxes. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. here like it, it, there's I know we choose a strength program five three one hatch 
small off, like yeah, yeah. choose what you want to choose, reduce the volume, do that. Yes, you'll get stronger. Mm-hmm. Now, as you add things in, you're going to lose and take that neurological stimulus away. Yeah. You're going to lose the strength anyway. Yeah. So it's like, so why would I, why gain, why make your gains to put your 20 kilos on, mm-hmm. but then actually lose 10 kilos of it as you get fit. Right. I'd rather constantly just keep everything taking over. Yeah. Add in the 1%, like filtering things in and out and have everything just incrementally come in mm-hmm. and, and get that 10 kilos at the end, but without losing. Yeah. So that they made 20 kilo, a 20 kilo increase and a 10 kilo drop. I'll make the 10 kilo increase at the peaking point of the season mm-hmm. when with everything else already up a notch. Right. Uh, which is the hard thing for the athletes to, to deal with as well. What? Mentally, I guess too, because it's it's always yeah. similar kind of stimulus. Just like, I think that's 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 tricky. But yeah, long term, if you're thinking about that, I think I like that approach as well. Um, in s- talking about the mental piece, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, this is obviously something you talk about. I think the top level athletes, most of them say the mental piece is the difference. The kind of strategy, like you're just pushing, going deeper into that red zone than people can, or even just mentally knowing who's around you and how. Um, those kind of pieces of uh, gaming at next when, when we're in competition. Um, how much of a focus is the mental piece for you? And, and when someone's prepping for a competition, um, what have been some of the, the the golden nuggets you can kind of give give the people heading in that have, that have worked really well? The biggest thing is knowing yourself. Yeah. People get very caught up in the... What's around them and was around them and yeah. how somebody else did that workout. Mm-hmm. Like you, how they do the workout is completely different how, to how they might be a different athlete. They might yeah. be more power-based than you, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or they might be more endurance-based. Their strength in the workout might be the gymnastic portion. Yeah. It might be the weightlifting portion, in which case mm-hmm. you need to approach that workout in a completely different manner to just, how just knowing how where they, you can push and where you need to exactly and where to yeah. back off yeah. because like, I, I always say when, when it comes to that, that red zone as you called it mm-hmm. it's a one-way ticket yeah True. Like, if, if you cash if you cash your chips into the red zone there's no coming back so make sure when you go in make sure it's the right time if you go yeah. in at three two one go and it's a 15, 20 minute workout. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's that it's the biggest thing is, is creating that calm. It's, it's getting the athlete to see the success in the execution and stay right. calm yeah. in the fact that everybody else has gone. Yeah. That's the biggest, the biggest thing. The biggest challenge is that, that let them know that yeah. they're going to go and you're going to do this. Yeah. Unless, of course, you then, like some people, like Matt and Tia, will just go and they'll just keep going. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, in a, they're in a different stratosphere yeah, to everybody else. True enough. Um, yeah, it's almost yeah. like a double whammy otherwise, because like you're you're having to physically increase, and then there's also a bit of a panic. Like everyone else ahead of me, so your heart rate's just going to beat up that much more. It's it's wild. And having that that bit of poise, I think like you just see that when you're watching the games. Like someone that's okay with being 10th in an event for most of it and then knowing when they can push and um yeah so i think that's that's a solid solid piece there um i think it, it takes time the thing is it takes time as well because yeah it's all well and good seeing it in training yeah. again it's then dealing with that it doesn't matter what what you're doing in training get them on that start line with their competitors right next to them yeah. with that 
money on the line, that everything that is about yeah. uh, for that athlete, that pressure, and they go from they go from thinking clearly to thinking like four year old, yeah, um, <laughs> and all the bad decisions and the rationality is yeah. out is gone. Yeah, that's um, true. and that's a big thing. Like uh, uh, Red Pill Co. Uh, co partner Phil, he's yeah. he's the psychology trained, so that's he spends Amazing. a lot of time on that. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I work in it again, I, I touch on it. Um, cool. I have my own way of going about it, but yeah, a lot of the teachings that we talk about there is all all from like, Phil's awesome, Phil's background. Very cool. Uh, James, I want to talk to you a little bit about the the changes in the in the CrossFit season, and if you're coaching, I think, like, like you said, constantly rotating the plates um i think there's an advantage to, to having you know less of an off season maybe uh in the sense that you know you've got like games and you got dubai and then you got rogue and then you got all these other events um it's getting a little less sporadic i think than it was there kind of in transition um how and maybe it's still in flux what are your thoughts of the current like structure of the season right now and if, and if you could if you're given the keys what would, what would the season look like for you um I think, I mean, what we always sit down with the athletes and uh, talk about is, well, what is the priority? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are always aiming for that particular point in time. Yeah. And this is where we use the the plates spinning to go, right, we're going to go to this competition and we've been doing little to no conditioning or we've been doing very high rep. Mm-hmm work and or yeah whatever high weight high load we've been doing strength and no fitness depending on what the athlete is right um let's go to that competition and let's see how much have we gained or lost right so has your fitness dropped off and you're feeling it you're noticing it in the competition Mm -hmm. uh, or has has it basically where, where are you sitting right now Right, and you using those competitions as a, a better as a marker, yeah, yeah, better mm-hmm. gauge of the weaknesses. Of, okay, mm-hmm. that that's on its way up, but still needs to go further. And mm-hmm. we've not lost, we've not lost the fitness. So actually, we can leave the fitness operating at a little bit lower mm-hmm. for a little bit longer and try and push that push that strength up, right, a bit more. And and yeah, like using it as a controlling the controlling the years periodization more so to see. Yeah. see where they need to be yeah um so yeah that's so in a sense of yeah the, the the season doesn't really doesn't really matter in a sense of of that um and depending on obviously the level of the athlete yeah also maybe also maybe it needs to peak for peak for quarterfinals then you know you're like once you peaked you peaked yeah um, I mean, in the endurance world, they'll, they'll say there's like you've got like two peaks a year, mm. two to three peaks a year, depending on how well how well you you do it, and that right. that takes time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like in a sense of if you're going all in for to get to the games or to get to that next stage, then whatever comes after it is probably going to be down from where you were because you hit your true peak at that earlier stage. So it obviously depends on the yeah getting that athlete competent enough that they can be almost operating at 85 90% to get through each the whole the, season yeah the, the whole season to then actually get that yeah 85% at regionals to then actually be able to top for the games 
Yeah. Um, it's obviously a bit of a risk in Europe because the density is just, yeah, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too, it's, it's so brutal. Like, yeah. You look at the, I say, when we look at the, some of the, the other regions, like in America, and you see like first place in an event is here, is, is six minutes, and person in second and third are like three, four minutes behind. It's like, that wouldn't happen in Europe. Mm. Like yeah. they are literally, yeah, they are literally in neck pockets and, neck. and bubbles and neck yeah. and neck. And yeah. if you have a bad event, it is is game over. Yeah, true. Enough. Um, yeah, it's it's that is a tough one in Europe. The, the guys are having to be at that little bit. They're going to be. They have to be in a better state. Yeah, a more peaked state than than the other regions. Yeah, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah. That's it. For sure. And it, with that kind of environment, it almost comes down to like who just has a better day or who's less hurt that week or kind of thing, not necessarily representative of their whole capacity. Um, yeah. Um, James has been awesome. Let me talk uh, a little bit about what's going on with, with Red Pill for the rest of the year. What's uh, Talk a little bit about the programs you guys offer and what's going on for the rest of the year. Yeah. So uh, Red Pill, we've got obviously the generic platform. Uh, yeah. which has two primary pathways, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Anderson, uh, which is for those of you that just want to be healthy, mm-hmm. an hour of training a day, uh, learn to get some movement, like to develop the good skills, so that skill threshold piece is more skill-based. And then the threshold work is very simple movements, simple, uh, yeah, rowing, dumbbell snatches, keep everything like keep your fitness really ticking over and then develop those sexy skills at the top. Yeah. Trinity is then the, the more competitive program with, yeah. with two at the moment, two hours of training a day. And then we have mm. like bolt on options for people that want to work on extra skills. And there the bolt ons are periodized alongside the program. Cool. Um, so they adapt three, every three weeks, like the program adapts. And then there's then the coaching side. Um, where people can either work as um, like there's, there's two packages there's like the pro package and the elite package mm-hmm. um, so that's then for the one-to-one stuff and the, the difference between the pro and the elite pro is it's basically the contact time so okay, the elite package you get to bug the life out of us <laughs> uh, pretty much and the pro package is more like that one call a month and then you program it and then like a little bit of a review but yeah the elite package is where we uh, spend hours speaking cool. to guys so amazing yeah well with the it's athletes the doing as well as there it seems like you're doing great things with that with that program i want to shift a little bit into your your personal habits um and i know you just had an injury so maybe it's a soft soft topic right now but <laughs> talk me talk me through uh uh where your health habits are not just fitness necessarily strength uh biohacking health sleep where is your main priority uh right now with your own personal health and well-being and what do your habits look like around that um this is a constant battle yeah it's um it's something i like been open i know what i should do uh i know what i coach um i am my life is coaching and being better at coaching Mm -hmm. um which and having a two kids and a i know these are some people turn around their excuses yeah Uh, honestly it's my list of priorities myself is at the bottom yeah um, and it's something i'm constantly working on Fair it's enough. The, fir- the first thing to go in the day is my training 
Um, yeah. It's improving. Uh, yeah. And I like just being that. Like my health was better when I just worked in a gym mm. um, and had set hours and everything like that. Whereas it is almost that that coaching side of almost taking away the fact that I've got set hours and I'm just constantly yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Um, so I say what, where I'm getting success with is, uh, yeah, I've gone from a, I don't set an alarm anymore. I let my body sleep oh, if it needs, sweet. needs the extra sleep, yeah. uh, which is, which has been a big change for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, at the end of the week, I'm actually sent, ending up with the same amount of work still left to do and less tired. Yeah. So that, that's been a, that's a win. That's, that's been the, the win, win now. And then, yeah, the nutrition is, um, yeah, I've, I've moved myself. I used to be very metronomic. I'm trying to move back to set meal times. Yeah. Um, but I used to be, which is what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I literally just became slave to the uh, breakfast in the morning, maybe get lunch, maybe not get lunch, crack through, and then in the evening just there so yeah i will um hold my hands up and reflect on myself as a <laughs> didn't mean to, work didn't mean to shine the light on you <laughs> no no, yeah. no i mean the, the thing is yeah. like we live in a we live in a world where uh i'm showing my age and my distaste of social media here but how much of it's really real yeah i'm just true. i'm just 100%. i'm just real i'm just being real like yeah i dedicate my life to to that and and it's tough. Like it, it's tough to find that balance. And it's I think that's yeah. something people see coaches, you know, coaching people to great feats in fitness and health and that stuff. And they assume they've got everything figured out. And it's it is tough when you especially because most of us genuinely care about seeing our people get better, right? So it's, it's oh yeah, the, the, the amount priority. of sleep I've lost, I lose sleep over my athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. because because it matters. Yeah, um, for sure. Because it matters the same way as it mattered to me when I was the athlete. Yeah, pursuing my dream. Yeah, like, for sure. How how can I help them? Like, it's that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. But yeah, yeah, something that's I've turned, uh, I've turned uh, turned the corner recently. Um, yeah. So it's it's getting it's moving more back on track. But yeah. it's been kids. Kids are the best worst thing you can do with your life. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you, man. Um, so yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, James, it's been an unreal chat. What's the best place for people to link up with your content? Uh, content, well, you've seen me on social media. It's yeah. non-existent. Um, yeah. <laughs> there will be um, uh, Red Pill Training. They, they turn out most of, the, most of the content. There is a Red Pill Generic handle, which will be getting busier. we kind of got two separate pieces. We're trying to okay. really separate the coach and the generic. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just follow those two handles. Follow myself. You might occasionally see something, but <laughs> <laughs> Fair um, yeah, I'm not trying to keep up with the kids nowadays. Fair enough. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. Thanks again for the time, man. This has been great. Pleasure. Cheers, Greg. Awesome. Thanks for doing this episode of Healthspan Academy, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. This has been a fun project. We are growing in viewership every single week, and we obviously couldn't do that without you. So thank you for continuing to tune in. I really hope you're getting value out of the the programming and the content. Just wanted to give you a heads up. I've been working on a a book on health and longevity the last couple of years, been collaborating with my colleague, Dr. Dan Vitale, who's uh, an expert in the field as well. 
And we, we've basically just kind of summarized the literature, some of the techniques that we found really useful in the world of biohacking, what our exercise regimen looks like, what's, you know, cardio type stuff is going to help us live longer and healthier, a mobility work, nutrition. We've covered the whole spectrum, everything that you can basically be in control of in your health and fitness kind of moving forward to help you live as healthily as possible for as long as possible. And it's available free for download. So if you click on the YouTube banner, you'll see a link to download the, the blueprint. It's also on our Instagram profile or on the website. You can click on fivepillarmethod.com slash optimize to get your free copy of the book. And I hope you enjoy it. Hope you're keeping well. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.